I'm the Failing Youth Pastor, and welcome to the Failing Youth Pastor Podcast. Well, welcome everybody to episode number eight of the Failing Youth Pastor Podcast. I am your host, Travis Berry. Man, it feels good to be able to say that. If you don't know, um, over the past week, I had a change of heart and decided to um, announce via Twitter who I was. And, um, you know, for me, it was kind of one of those things, the, the whole anonymous thing had kind of run its course. And I enjoyed it. I really liked the the ability to kind of be anonymous and, and say funny things and, and stuff like that. But I did find that being anonymous kind of gave the allowance for sin to go too far. And I didn't want that anymore. I didn't want to have that weight on me. And I wanted to be able to share my podcast and, and the stuff that I was doing with people that I know and that I care for and, and people who can listen to the podcast and, and give feedback to me and, and stuff like that who I actually know, like in real life, IRL as the kids say these days. And so my name is Travis Berry. Uh, I live in Wilmer, Minnesota, and um, I am a youth pastor. And um, I love it. It's awesome. And so I'll probably be sharing a little bit more ab- about myself in, in future episodes. But for now, that's that's about all you're going to get on the personal side of things. And so I really look forward to this episode. This episode, we're going to be talking about making changes in your youth ministry. And I have a, a few points that I would like to get across. But this also is a two-way conversation. This isn't just me spouting my ideas and my opinions. I want to get your feedback. So if you have feedback for me, if you have questions or anything like that, you can hit me up on Twitter at FailingYouthPTR. You can also hit me up on Instagram at FailingYouthPTR. Or you can email me at failingyouthpastor at gmail.com. That's what it is, failingyouthpastor at gmail.com. So without further ado, I would like to get into the episode, but first we got to take care of a little bit, just a little bit of business, and this is our really awesome and totally really fake sponsor for the day. Today's sponsor for the Failing Youth Pastor podcast is cool, K-E-W-L, minister.com. This site has everything you need to become the cool youth pastor or youth leader in your youth ministry. Do you need to learn Fortnite dances? This website has it. Do you need to learn how to do the Snapchat? This website has tutorials. Do you need to catch up on the kid lingo and what the hip, cool kids are saying these days and what it means? 
this website has it. So if you want to be a, a cool leader, a cool volunteer, or a cool youth pastor, you really need to check out coolminister.com. They have awesome rates uh, if you want to just sign up for you alone, or you can sign up your whole youth team for a low bundle price. So check them out. Cool. K-E-W-L minister Dot com. You definitely don't want to miss out on those Fortnite dances. Those middle schoolers will absolutely love you if you can do the orange justice. Well, now that we've taken care of a little bit of really fake business, uh, let's dive into the meat of the podcast, the reason why you are listening to this. And we are going to talk about making changes in your youth ministry. And the first thing, the first question I think that you have to ask yourself is what is the purpose for this change? And the reason why I think we need to ask that question is because we need to determine, is this a preference or is this a need? Is this something I want to change or is this something that I need to change to make my ministry more effective? Because if there's no purpose in making this change, if there's no reason or backing for this change, then don't change it. Don't simply make changes to make changes or to make changes because you want to make the ministry your own. You want to put your stamp on it. Needless changes can kill programs and ministries because students are very conservative when it comes to change. Now, when I say conservative, I don't mean politically speaking. Of course, there's just like adults, there's people from every political perspective probably in your youth ministry. But you have to understand from the viewpoint of the student their lives are in constant change. Everything in their life, a lot of things in their life are changing. They're in, they're in flux. Their classes are changing. Their bodies are changing. Their minds are changing. Their relationships are changing. Their, their, their friendships are starting to change. People who they were really good friends with when they were in fourth, fifth, sixth grade they start to distance a little bit and they find new friends. Things are constantly changing for them and they need a place that they can go where they know exactly what's coming. They need to have a constant in their lives. And if we're being honest, a lot of their homes are even crumbling. They're falling apart. Their homes are in constant change. And so you can provide through your ministry that constant that they need, that constant that they can hold on to. And of course, the ultimate constant is Jesus Christ, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the ultimate constant. But we want to reflect that for our students. And one way that we can do that is through our character and through our ministry. So that's why I think we need to take making changes really seriously. I know the youth guy who repainted the youth room five different times in six years and radically shifted when meeting times were and would change um, kind of how youth group would run and would change 
um, retreats and stuff like that. And, and students never knew what to expect when they came to youth group. It was like every week they were on edge coming to a youth group because they could expect something completely different almost every week. And so making changes just for the sake of making changes can turn students off because everything else in their lives seems to be in constant flux. So let's take a step back and ask that question. What is the purpose for this change? Is it a preference or is it a need? The second thing that I would encourage is that you need to get people's input and support for this change, for whatever changes you're going to be making. If you don't have a group of leaders and elders who support your ministry, you need to get on that. Um, but let's assume for a moment that you have a good, solid core group of adult leaders and you have a decent group of student leaders and you have some elders in your church that oversee your ministry. You need to get their input before moving forward with any significant changes in the ministry. One of the biggest killers isn't just when students don't like change, but when the people overseeing your ministry aren't consulted or listened to regarding that change. These people aren't just wise counsel for you, but they also help stave off unnecessary criticism, criticism, English. I'm keeping that in there. I don't care. But they stave off unnecessary criticism from other people who might have a problem with the change that you've made, especially people who maybe have the ear of other elders on the elder board. And so you need to get the backing of people. You need to have well thought out reasons for them so that when people come to them, they can help shield you from the arrows that may be coming from behind you and block some of those for you. But after you have the input, after you've consulted people and you've done so strategically, you need their support. It's not enough just to get their feedback and to listen to them. You need them to support that change. You need to convince them that the change is useful. And if you can't do that, if you can't convince them or highlight to them or show to them why you need to make this change and they're not convinced, you probably need to rethink the change. You need to rethink, whoa, well, maybe this isn't a necessary change. Maybe this is more of a preference. Or maybe you aren't communicating that change well enough. So if you can't convince the elders, the student leaders, if you can't convince your leaders, your volunteers, that this change is worthwhile and necessary, it at least is a stopgap for you making a big mistake. Right, it, it stops you from moving forward on something that could really, really hurt the ministry. And it at least makes you go back and rethink, okay, is this a change I really need to make? Because I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, getting a no from leadership is always difficult. It it stinks, it's awful. But do you know what's worse? Is not consulting them, not listening to them, not taking their advice moving forward anyway, and then having them sling the arrows into your back as things implode. And so it's a great stopgap for you. It's a great kind of uh, speed bump, if you will, 
for you to go back, rethink, okay, is this change necessary? Yes, this change is necessary. Okay, how can I better communicate this? And then you go back and you say, you know what? I think I miscommunicated. Here are the real reasons. Here are the reasons why I think we should make this change. But you need to get those leaders on board. You need to get those people on board so that you aren't alone out on that island just making changes willy-nilly. So you've thought about the change. You, you've determined that it's a need. You've communicated it to the leaders, um, to the elders, and they're on board. But you can't be a prisoner to those changes. Just because you make a change doesn't mean you're committed to that change for the rest of your life or the rest of your ministry. Making a change doesn't mean you've written it in stone. Rather, think about it as writing it on a whiteboard. You can't be afraid to move ahead on, on changes that you deem necessary and that people backing you deem necessary. You can't be afraid to fail. You can't be afraid to mess up because if it's a change you feel that you really need to make, maybe you're actually um, hampering your ministry and you don't even know it. But you also can't be afraid to adjust. You can't be afraid to go up to that whiteboard and say, you know what, this thing over here isn't really working. I think we need to make an adjustment and do things just a little bit differently to make things work more smoothly or to go better. And you also can't be afraid to admit when you were wrong. One of the greatest things you can do for students and for parents is to actually admit that you made a mistake. That's huge for parents. That's huge for students because that gains trust. They know that you're a flawed human being, just like you know that you're a flawed human being. We're all flawed human beings. We're going to make missteps. We're going to make mistakes. So you can't be afraid to fail, you can't be afraid to adjust, and you can't be afraid to admit that you are wrong. And as much as being a prisoner to those changes could be an issue, you can also be a prisoner to apathy. You can also be a prisoner to not making the changes that absolutely need to be made in your ministry. And so for some of you, you're listening to this and you're not really inclined to make changes right? You're inclined to kind of keep the status quo. I don't want to rock the boat. I want things to be consistent because consistency is important. But I think some people are just afraid to even make any changes because they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to stick their neck out and then have it chopped off at the last moment, if you know what I mean. And I get that. I get that aspect too, because we in our ministry are making some really big changes and it's scary, right? It's, it's, it's scary because you don't fully know what's coming next. You don't know what the, all the unintended consequences of making some of these changes are going to be. But just like you can't be a prisoner to the changes that you've made and that you're committed to, you can't be a prisoner to apathy and not making the changes that you know need to be made in your ministry. And so if you have a change that you need to make in your ministry, make it. If you have a change in your ministry that you're trying to make and it's a preference instead of a need, if it's a want instead of a need, you need to rethink it. You need to go back to the drawing board 
and think long and hard, is this something that we really need to do? Is this going to benefit my students? Is this going to benefit my leaders? Is this going to benefit the ministry as a whole? And if it isn't, then don't move forward. But if it is, step out and do it. Step out and do it. Get people behind you and make the changes that need to be made. So now that you know everything you need to know about making changes in your youth ministry, it is time for a listener question of the day. Today's listener question of the day comes from James Casey on Twitter at Casey underscore Godfather. And he has a question actually dealing with the episode. And he asked this, how do you best communicate the changes to your different age groups, kids, parents, volunteers, random church attendees with no stake in your ministry, i.e. the worst question mark. I think personally, this is just my take on it is that you don't need to explain every single little detail to every single student to every single parent to every church member in fact you're probably not the best person to actually share these changes now of course if you're sending something out via email or if you're going to send something out um, that's uh, digital you're probably the one doing it right if you're the paid pastor, you're the one sending those things out, most likely. But in conversation with people at church, like if people just come up to you and say, hey, why are we doing this? You're probably not the best person that they could ask. Or even for you, the best person who could share that. The best person who could share that is a youth leader or a parent who you consulted during that. Or even better yet, an elder that oversaw that whole process of making that change. Having those people share the reasons why you're making those changes is huge because here's the, the sad reality about ministry. We as pastors are here one day and gone the next. Now look, that doesn't mean that you you're actually going to be here today and fired tomorrow. I hope. I hope that's not the case. But what I am saying is those elders that you consulted while making the change, part of their job and their role is to look out for the long-term health and well-being of that church. That's part of their job. And so those people sharing that are going to carry much more weight than simply you getting up there and sharing that. And so I know that doesn't directly answer your question, but you don't have to share every little detail as to why you made the changes that you made. But I would enlist the elders. I would enlist some of the people that you consulted before making these changes to kind of be your mouthpieces to people. So if they ask about it, say, yeah, I you have permission to share with them why we're doing this. Because when they share that, it's going to be heard a lot better from people who might be a little bit critical 
about the changes that you've made, or maybe they're not critical, they're just curious, they will um, hear it a little bit better, I think, personally, from them than maybe from you. And that might differ from community to community, but that's what I would say. I would say that you should try to find people who can be mouthpieces for the reason why you made those changes and enlist them to say, you know what, you guys go out and share with people why we made this change, why we're doing it this way, because they're going to hear it from them a lot better. So James, thank you for the question. And um, I hope that my answer was helpful and useful. But thank you for the question. Thanks for asking it. And thanks for being an awesome follow on Twitter. Hey, look, you made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have any feedback, you can hit me up on Twitter at FailingYouthPTR or on Instagram at FailingYouthPTR or send me an email, failingyouthpastor at gmail.com. Have a great rest of your day or evening, and we will catch you on the next episode of the Failing Youth Pastor Podcast.